it is helpful for one thing to understand why you experience the experiences that you're having. Sometimes the soul will get stuck, particularly when you don't know what it is that, it, you know, we, we come here to earth and we're born into whatever culture we're born into. And the cultures aren't really designed to support the soul. They right. are systems yeah. to support, you know, what's going on earth side. And so the soul gets lost very often. And mm. so the idea is to be able to follow the journey of the soul and understand the dynamics and then to help the soul to realign with its purpose. Hello and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to introduce you today to our guest. Talk about interconnectedness and connectedness and just living in the cycles of Mother Nature and the Earth practices. Anyways, let me introduce you. So. Adrian Gibson is the owner, the farm owner at a place of the heart farm. And they're they're dedicated to sustainable growing practices. She values teaching others these practices and has hosted dozens of individuals at the farm over the past many years. Now, a place of heart farm and spiritual retreat is honored to offer the community of Northeast Tennessee a great place for transformation, healing, and love. Their approach is holistic integrating vegetarian diet with community living and a connection to nature and her cycles and spiritual practice. They provide spiritual counseling through evolutionary astrology. Their lifestyle is founded upon reverent stewardship of the earth through kindness to the earth, communal living, and a focus on the soul instead of material position. They shift the paradigm from the individual survival to interconnected living. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just talk about how this all happened, what the evolution was for you starting into your own spirituality. Let's start there first. Well, first of all, this place here, a place of the heart, my husband started 40 years ago. He had a spiritual awakening and he was a an executive businessman and he had an awakening and couldn't do that anymore. And he came back to the hills of Tennessee where he was born and found this beautiful piece of land that we're living on and began this spiritual retreat center. Uh -huh. He was into Native American spirituality. So he was running sweat lodges for many years. And when I arrived here in 2003, 
I had small children at the time, and I would ask him the question, well, how am I going to be spiritual here? I don't have any practices that I do. And we started gardens. And from there, the gardens have just evolved over the last 20 years to where we service the community. We run a CSA. This year, we're going to be supplying food to Second Harvest, which is a food bank. They got a grant to be able to buy direct from farmers. And so we'll be donating all of our food. So that's really good for us. And um, so we host people that come. We've been doing it for years. I teach yoga. And when we have people that are interested in a yoga practice, I have my regular practice that I practice daily, but very often we'll get young people that come through and want to learn a practice. And so there are many times that I will just run a regular class so that people can get connected in that way. Nice. And are these people that are staying at the farm? So it's a retreat center. It's a retreat center. So we have people that come to retreat. We have people that come to stay and volunteer their time to help the farm continue to go. And we have what they call woofers, which are people that are coming to learn to farm organically with the methods that we use. And so people come on all different ways to get here. But once they get here, you know, we're very close to the earth we're living on. We practice nonviolent communication. Everybody's getting along. We practice getting our needs met and speaking to each other on a kind basis. And we don't trash out the land and we don't cut the trees here. We take dead wood only and we wander through the woods. I like to harvest wild mushrooms and we will very often offer that in our CSA baskets or we were attending a farmer's market for many years as well. But yeah, they come to learn the practices because we're practicing this no-till farming. Tell me about that. I saw that on the website and I'm curious about that. Yeah, so it's funny, it started off We were tilling. We had a small hand tiller and the one garden in the beginning. And then as we have grown over the years, there are now eight gardens and the one tiller wasn't working for us. And so my husband got a tractor and he didn't know how to use the tractor properly. And so (laughs) it ended up tearing up the garden. We fixed the garden by hand by just making the ground flat by moving the shovels around and getting the ground flat. And we never tilled again after that. My no-till mentor lives in Kentucky and she learned in Guatemala. The natives, she spent a lot of time there learning how to farm in, in the old way. And so I learned a lot from her and yeah, we just don't till the earth. And the idea is that you don't really have to till, like all the plants are growing anyway whether you till or not, you know, the trees, the (laughs) the woods aren't tilled. They just, the plants will grow. And the earth naturally in its cycles will compost, you know, the leaves drop onto the ground, animals come through. And I mean, we do add compost to the ground, animal manures to the ground. We'll put that on top of the surface of the beds. We don't walk on our beds once we have a bed established and that prevents compaction. And so we'll add organic material every season and we mulch heavily and we'll just grow our starts in 
little trays, and then we'll just transplant those out into well-composted and mulched beds. And so it cuts down on the amount of work that you're having to do, not so much weeding, although we do spend a lot of time weeding. So the weeds don't absolutely love it? You don't have many weeds? We have weeds, but... um, you know, we keep up on the weeds that happen. What I've been doing here in the last 10 years to cut down on the weeds, because we have so many beds, we have 100 beds, and wow. that's quite a bit of work to do. We often in the height of the summer, we're still early in the season, so we don't have a lot of help yet, but we'll be having up to eight people here during the height of the season, which is a nice crew to be working the gardens. Well, when you say beds, these are on the ground, like level in the earth. Is that right? They're not like some people have raised beds or or things like that. Mars are right on the ground. They're marked off. They're about 100 feet long from most the gardens. We have two gardens that are longer than that. One is has a 200 foot bed in it. But most of the beds are 100 feet long, three feet wide. Wow. And we have we use garden fabrics. So we'll put compost on the ground about three inches of compost. We do this in the fall. They're compost or even fresh manure because as long as it's sitting on the ground for six months time, it'll all break down during the winter time and just be soil. And then we'll put a fabric on top of that and then we'll mulch on top of that. So what that does is, first of all, it keeps the sun off of the fabrics, which make the fabrics last longer but it keeps a nice warm environment and the worms come up from the ground and they just start eating all of that down. And so when you lift the fabrics up, you'll just see, you know, worm castings all underneath the fabric. And then we'll just, we reuse the fabric. So they have holes in them already to put the plants in. They're evenly spaced and the plants just grow. Then every fall we take the fabrics up, we pull any weeds that are growing in it or plants out and then recompost put the fabrics back down. Now, I don't know much about that area of Tennessee. Does it freeze in the wintertime? It does. It does. Not real. We don't have like below zero temperatures or anything like that. We average around 20 degrees at night in the winter. This winter, it got, we had that big cold solar, whatever vortex thing. And we got down into like two or three degrees for a few days, but that's not common. So yeah, you can't farm all year round. Do you do have to let it rest and yes. come back? But we to do life, have I a guess. greenhouse that um, okay. we do put greens in, and we'll have lettuce and spinach and things like that through the winter. Okay, wonderful. It sounds wonderful. So tell me about one of the things that I introduced that, that your paradigm shift. You know, you shift the paradigm from individual survival to interconnected living. What does that mean to you on the farm? Well, because we all work as a group, we're living together as a group. People have their own places where they sleep. We have a few, we have a barn that has a couple of rooms built in. People have places where they stay, but we all work together as a group. And even those people that actually live here, we live as a group. We make all of our decisions as a group, determine, you know, what kinds of things we're going to plant and when we're going to start and how long we want to work. It's a very group-oriented living situation. And then people go off and do their own things. I mean, we definitely encourage the arts. I read a book a while back. It was called The Good Life by Scott and Helen Nearing. And they were doing homesteading. And one of the things that 
struck me about the way they led their life was they would divide the hours of the day, the waking hours, they would divide into three parts. One third of the day would be dedicated to food, creating food, so working in gardens and things like that. One third for building on the homestead, home repair or fixing any items and things that they needed to repair. And the other third was to their art, whatever Mm. that was. Wow. And I always thought that that was such a great way to live instead of, you know, doing the grind every day. So we work four hours a day. We get as a team so we can get a lot of work done as a team. We get out, we knock it out, get four hours worth of work done. And then people are off doing their art. People play music or, you know, I'm into my astrology and we have extensive arts and crafts. People are into doll making and puppet making and all kinds of things. So wouldn't that be fabulous if everyone did that? Right. It's definitely an interesting way to live. It's peaceful. For myself, I like to hunt wild mushrooms. And so when the season warms up a bit, I'll spend a couple of hours, maybe three to four days a week, just running through the woods, which is very peaceful and enjoyable. How many acres do you have there? Just under 100. Wow. And we have about 12 acres of flatland, and most of our acreage is wooded mountains with, you know, lots of trees. And we have a creek that runs through. It's a really beautiful piece of land. Wow, that's fabulous. Now, you mentioned your astrology. Tell me a little bit about your evolutionary astrology. Sure. Well, I've been studying it for about four years now, and I love it. One, because it sort of gives me a language to be able to describe how I understand spirituality. This form of astrology is relatively new. It's from Jeffrey Wolf Green, came out in the late 70s, I think. And it basically describes the journey of the soul from lifetime to lifetime using Pluto, which, yeah, it's amazing. And so Pluto and the nodes, the nodes of the moon, would describe the vehicle that the soul uses to get the desires accomplished in each lifetime. So your south node would point to what the last life was like, the identity of the last life, and then how it leads into this life would be your current moon sign. Mm. And then the north node of the moon will talk about how you will evolve during this lifetime. And then all the other planets are the tools that you're given to accomplish the goals of the soul. It's an amazing practice. It is helpful for one thing, to understand why you experience the experiences that you're having. Sometimes the soul will get stuck, particularly when you don't know what it is that, you know, we we come here to earth and we're born into whatever culture we're born into. And the cultures aren't really designed to support the soul. They are systems to support what's going on earth side. And so the soul gets lost very often. And Mm. so the idea is to be able to follow the journey of the soul and understand the dynamics and then to help the soul to realign with its purpose. And it can be quite healing. I've had quite a transformation over the last four years, just understanding it. And now my attempt is to help other people to do that. So you take on clients and such? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So is it similar to other astrology that if I were your client, I would give you my date and time of birth 
And location, those three things, yes. Okay. And I think the difference is that while other astrologies, and not all of them, because there are many different forms of astrology, like Vedic astrology doesn't have any planets past Saturn because they're older. Oh. And they didn't have telescopes. Right. And so some of the modern ones use Pluto, but Pluto and Uranus and Neptune, the outer planets, are more for like the whole generation because people that are born, for example, I'm a Pluto and Virgo generation. And so there's millions of people born with this. And so there's some generational things that we're doing to evolve humanity and then Mm -hmm. where it falls in a particular house. And that will be different for different people. That's where it's going to affect you in your life because we're all moving humanity forward. Right. Well, that's fascinating. How did you come across that? Well, I was interested in astrology. I've been interested in birthdays and astrology for a long time. And I had a friend come to visit and she had been studying astrology in Mexico. And she pulled up my chart one day and started telling me about myself. And I was like, whoa, I want (laughs) to learn how to do that. And so she told me I should start off by learning the planets, the houses, and the signs. And I did that for a couple of years, just my own study. And we had just gotten internet service out here in the country. It was a long time coming. And so I Googled in astrology and the teacher that I have now popped up because he he has a lot of YouTube content. And he popped up and he described the rising sign different than I had just read and different than I'd ever heard it described. And it sounded so understandable to me that I was like, wow. And I started listening to him. And then from there, I discovered that this was evolutionary astrology that he was teaching. And so I followed him on YouTube for a year. And then I started studying with him. I continue to study with him. I'm still a student of his. So I know you have, when people come to the farm, do you do strictly spiritual retreats? And if so, is gardening part of that? It can be. It depends. People are coming for all kinds of different reasons. Some people just need to connect with the earth and be. There are other people that maybe come for a longer time and they just want to plug in with what's going on. And so that happens as well. And do you offer like astrology or are there group spiritual practices going on? Well, you know, my husband passed away last year and he was running sweat lodges every two weeks for 40 years. And so we haven't got back into that practice yet. We have a couple of people that have been doing sweat lodges with him for years. We haven't yet pulled it back together, but we're going to be offering sweat lodges again. And that's just a regular practice that we've been offering to the community for a a long time. That is a long time. And that's a lot every year also. Yes. And then we do gatherings a couple of times a year where people come together. We camp, we share food, we play music, we get in the creek, do sweat lodges, practice some yoga. Very often we'll do some kind of workshops. Astrology is going to be my new thing for workshops. So how fun. That sounds fantastic. Is information about events like this up on your website? Yes. Yeah. As those events pop up, we'll add them to the website for sure. Okay. Excellent. 
So what gives you hope right now when you look out into the world? And I know being in Tennessee, it's been kind of a rough month, I guess. But is there something that gives you hope? Well, looking out of my eyes, and I I understand that most people don't really necessarily see it. I have just an inward hope and a trust, a faith, I guess, that Mm -hmm. it's all going to turn out, maybe not in my lifetime, but I'm dedicated to being instrumental in helping that happen, however that is, trying to be a peaceful being and as helpful as I can for other people and trying to be an understanding, trying to be good to the earth. What gives me hope is that I'm seeing change happen Mm -hmm. pretty rapidly right now. I Mm -hmm. mean, it seems like maybe it's tearing down a little bit, but perhaps we have to tear down a little bit before we can build it back up in a better way. Yeah, that's true. That's that's the painful part, but I think that's part of growth and process. Yeah. Yeah. How about, is there anything that you wish everyone in the world knew? Like if there was one thing, it's like, you just have to understand. Is there one well, message you want to send out there? The one message that I have come to understand is that this is a soul journey that we're coming into this lifetime to learn and to grow. and. Even the most difficult life is a learning and a growing process. And we've all been through many lives and we all evolve through difficulties and we continue to do that, but we are growing. When there's no struggle, you're not growing. Right. You know, we struggle through these things and then we come out just a little bit ahead. And Pluto is a planet that takes 248 years to go all the way around. It's a very long journey. And so the soul has many, many lifetimes. And we may just move a couple of degrees in each lifetime. So, Oh, interesting. So let me see if I understand this a little better. So Pluto going around the sun, I can see that several lifetimes would fit in that if it's 248 years. We may not also incarnate in each one of those lifetimes. See, it depends what lessons your soul is trying to learn. That makes sense. And so you're going to incarnate when the universe has got the correct alignments for you to go on your journey. Okay. And Pluto could be in any of those positions around the sun. Yes. Uh There's a lot of people on the planet right now. And I believe it's because there are a lot of alignments for healing that are happening. Mm. We are breaking free from this old paradigm and stepping into a new place. And a lot of souls have come to be part of it. Interesting. So do you have any advice for people if they're feeling like they're going through a really rough time and and they don't know what their soul needs? Do you have any beginner tips for anyone like what to do? Well, I would definitely seek an astrologer. They have a interesting system for understanding what's happening. Okay. And you'll find that when you listen to what your soul's journey is, you will resonate with it because mm-hmm. you know what it is. Right. And sometimes it's just a matter of hearing it. It's like, oh, you know, people just definitely will not be aligned with their Pluto journey because Pluto is largely unconscious. We aren't aware of our souls, we're aware of our ego selves. But like I was saying before, the different planets that support the soul's journey will align in a way where 
because it's supporting the soul's journey, it'll line in a way that kind of outlines that journey. So you'll be able to feel what's happening. That makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fascinating. I'll have to look that up. So I will, of course, put in my show notes, website addresses, but where can people find you and find out more about you and or the Um, farm? Well, I'm, I'm on Facebook and I post a new moon and full moon reports twice a month. And occasionally I'll put out some other content, but otherwise my email address, uh, you can email me if you're interested in reading or I do a couple of different kinds of readings, just a karmic access reading, I call that. And I do an essential needs reading, which talks about what the soul needs and how the soul gets its needs met through relationships. So it's about relationship dynamics. Okay. Yeah. And are you on Facebook under your name or? Yes, under my name. Adrian Gibson. Yes. Okay. Well, good. I think so. It's been a pleasure talking to you and finding out about this. And I can't wait to look up more about this astrology. Sounds fascinating. Nice to meet you, Karen. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. And I'll say goodbye to the listeners. I look forward to connecting with everyone later and talk to you soon. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.